Hello and welcome to another episode of South Asian Stories, where we hear from South Asians around the world and uncover their identities, successes, failures, and most importantly, stories. I'm your host, Samir Desai. In this episode, I chat with Hema Kundargi. Hema is a registered dietitian and TV producer. Change is the only constant in her life, and she has reinvented herself many, many times. Hema went from being an accountant to hosting and producing her own TV show, which promoted gourmet vegetarian cooking. Then, as her youngest child went to college, on her 50th birthday, she went back to school and earned her graduate degree in nutrition and became a registered dietitian. Recently, she has also became the first author in a peer-reviewed scientific publication. So currently, she works as a corporate wellness group and has some amazing stories on her journey throughout nutrition, her TV show, as well as her job as a dietitian. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Hema Kundargi. Welcome to South Asian Stories. It's my pleasure to be here, Samir. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's been uh, a great pleasure to have you, and we're really excited to talk through a lot about your background and a lot about your decision to go back to school, and and especially many people want to hear about uh, nutrition, and they have a lot of questions that I've received about it that I'd love to discuss with you. But I want to jump in first to your background. Um, You know, Tell me a little bit about your childhood and how you came here and, and, and started, you know, your, your career here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I grew up in Pune, India, and uh, my schooling and my college was done there. And then I came here uh, to U.S. Um, and in India, I have an accounting background. Um, so came here to do further studies and then um, decided to go with the family. Um, I mean, I got married and um, started a family. Um, At that time, I was so keen about staying home with my kids when they were growing up, uh, especially the first couple of years. And um, I did not do any accounting at that time. And then when my youngest went to kindergarten, that was the time when I decided I was sort of deciding whether to go back to uh, accounting or should I look into different some other area. And um, that time I was talking to a friend and this was in uh, early 1990s. Okay, so I was talking to a friend, my neighbor, who is a Japanese and I was talking to her and uh, she used to come to my house and enjoy my Indian food. And she randomly said, hey, Ma, why don't you have a cooking show on television? Your Indian food is so different than what we eat in the restaurant. And I just laughed and I said, I've never had a, uh, been in front of the camera. I don't know what it is to um, be in front of the camera. Right. And, uh, and uh, I came home and that night I told my husband. My husband, he's like, there's nothing wrong to try it out. It's, it's, you know, the worst is you're going to fail, but check it out. You'll be the first one to do a cooking show in our area. And I was like, oh, my God. And I said, yeah, what's, what's there to lose? What's there to lose? Sure. So I went to a local TV station in uh, my city and I just talked to them and I said, here, I have this idea of having a cooking show. And uh, surprisingly, they were very receptive and they said, 
guess what? We've never had a cooking show on our channel, a TV studio too. So it was a first for them. It was a first for me. And let me tell you, Sapir, the first show was anything but perfect. Made all sorts of mistakes. <laughs> but then when we watched the show, we said, you know, next time we can do this better. We can do this better. And uh, I, on my end, uh, the cooking show um, as a host, I said, I can do this, this and this better. And um, the TV uh, cameraman said, you know, I can really do this, this, and this better. So it, it, it was like an experiment, and we kept going. And uh, we did um, many, many shows. Um, and I think the fourth show won a national award. Really? Um, yeah. And that was like an eye-opener because um, it was such um, um, a great feeling that you're doing something different and people are appreciating and so one thing led to other. I kept doing more and more shows. And this was uh, all the time frame when my kids were uh, in elementary school, middle school and high school. So I kept doing it for 10 years, my cooking shows. Um, and I would uh, do it, do the taping at home. I had to learn TV production, TV hosting, TV editing, but a big, big learning curve. But I enjoyed learning. So that's my cooking show, which happened. Um, uh, and I yeah. want to jump into that a little bit because that has so many interesting stories behind it. So first of all, what was the name of the cooking show? Yeah, it is Indian Vegetarian Gourmet. Indian so, Vegetarian Gourmet. Awesome. And were these um, just dishes that you knew how to make that you said, hey, let me just try making this on air? How did you choose what, what to make? Uh, so my shows focused on um, uh, a fusion food. It was ingredients from the local uh, grocery stores with um, the spices from the local grocery store. And I gave it a little Indian touch to it. So it was okay. Indian influenced recipes. Um, and before any show, I had a series of tests that I would go through. Uh, it was not an easy process to pick a recipe because many times the recipe looks very good on the plate, on your dining table, but on the camera, it may not really look the best. So um, I had um, a very a dedicated group of friends who would be my tasters, who would be my <laughs> critics, and they would give me a feedback. So that's how I chose the recipes. Was there a favorite recipe that you made that you got a ton of great reviews or great feedback for? Uh, yes, um, it was, uh, of all things, the Jamaican stew. It was a vegetarian Jamaican stew with Indian spices. And I think that's the maximum hits I've got on my video. Uh, it's all on YouTube now. All my uh, videos are now on YouTube. And I think that has the maximum hit. Okay. So far. We'll definitely yeah. link to the YouTube in, in the show notes. But I want to go back to your, your first episode, right? You were probably yes. pretty nervous when you got online and filmed yes. for the first time. When you saw it, the, the, like for, you know, when you're at home, what were the kind of the things that you said, hey, I want to do this differently? Can you talk through exactly what you wanted to do differently uh, after the first show? 
Yes. So after the first show, what I realized was um, I have to slow down when I'm showing the recipe because um, the camera person has to catch my action. Sure. And uh, that was a big, big um, learning curve because uh, when you're cooking at home, I'm very fast when I'm cooking at home and I just put things and all. And so I had to really remember the camera has to capture it the camera has to capture it and that's something which i would tell myself when i did my later shows that um i can be quick but the camera cannot move quickly yeah. so i had to be careful about that that's exactly how i feel when i learn any recipes from my mom she just is super hyper efficient in the, in the kitchen <laughs> and i'm just so so slow and i'm like wait wait slow down and i feel yeah. another thing about indian cooking which is tough to sometimes communicate is when you're putting in different like spices or anything it's like a pinch of this or, or just a dab of that and then if you are not familiar how it um that translates to a, like an ounce or a gram or a uh -huh. weight. It's, it's tough to communicate that. How did you go about doing that when, you know, you've learned the recipes by heart, but you need to communicate in a more regimented fashion? Yes. So I had to really treat it like a science experiment. Right. And uh, I would measure, put it in and give it to my non-Asian, um, non-Indian friends and they would give me their feedback because I know uh, the South Asians, we are very used to a certain flavor. We don't even recognize there's more ginger or more chili. Yep. But uh, my non-Indian friend was like, oh, that ginger is just perfect. Oh, can you just get that ginger a little lower? Uh, it's, it's too <laughs> intense or something. So I got the feedback and that's how um, you know I modified the recipe. Uh, there was about a couple of weeks of testing before it went on show. Um, on TV shows, you typically see it's, it seems very easy, but there are hours and hours of hard work before that recipe is shown. How many, like, uh iterations did you have to make before it went live? Because I'm sure a ton of people listening have watched Food Network or MasterChef or a lot yes. of cooking shows, um, and they see the final product, and they're like, wow, this looks amazing. What's the prep behind it? What do people not know when they, what's behind in the background? Um, basically, um, uh, the taste is, is one thing, because people cannot taste it on camera, but when they try it at home, it better taste good. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, care taken to um, make the food tasty when you're making it because people are going to follow you quite, uh, you know, literally. They're, they're sure. not going to use their own judgment. So uh, most of the times they follow the recipe. So you want to make sure the test uh, taste is good. And uh, the second thing is um, the presentation is, is so important because uh, it's, it's like you're seeing the recipe, you're seeing the recipe and eating it. So the food presentation is so, so important um, that um, I cannot emphasize enough. So presentation, the plate, um, the dish color, um, how the food um, whether it just blends in with the plate or that just does it stand out and the shape. There's so many things and you have to experiment. Um, I have at least a hundred different plates and shapes and sizes in my house because every time there was a show, I would land up buying something. So I have so many plates of different colors and shapes and sizes in my kitchen right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you, 
uh, Hema, like wanted to adjust a recipe that just didn't turn out quite the way you wanted. What did you do to adjust it? Did you use your, um, you know, knowledge of, of how these, the dishes are made, especially when you're making like, you know, the, the, the Jamaican dish? How did you, how did that, how was that created? Well, uh, the dish was created based on what the topic was. But okay. let me tell you, sometimes in spite of doing all the prep work, if the recipe just doesn't work out the way you had planned to. They, let me tell you one instance, uh, one recipe where I was doing um, the suji kahalwa, which is something very, very simple. I have done it thousands of times. I can do it blindfoldedly. But I don't know what happened when I was do, showing it on show. And it was major problem. It, it started clumping up and everything. Oh, God. And so then I, I was like, oh, should I have, should I redo the show or should I talk? It's such, I mean, talk that you people understand what's going on. So I decided to be very honest. And I said, um, well, let me tell you, this is not how the recipe should look like. It should not be clumpy, but this, I think I put cold water instead of hot water. And this is what happens when you put cold water. <laughs> so I just realized what the problem was in that recipe. And then uh, since I've cooked for so many years, I could mend it. And then I said, if this happens, if it happens clumpy like this, then you have to spend about 10 minutes making it smooth. But remember, this is not how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. So you have to have the presence of mind to get through with the show. And then I had a couple of audience members who um, later on said, well, you can do this. I mean, you took one problem and said, you're not supposed to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that honestly adds to the allure of, uh, of a chef, right? When, you know, when I watch cooking shows on TV, sometimes they just look effortlessly perfect and they get it perfect yeah. every time but having yeah. that authentic way of saying hey you know this time i i didn't have it perfect i messed up a little bit but this is how you fix it i think yeah anyone who cooks knows that they mess up dishes and it just feels better that you know that hey the person on screen the professional can also <laughs> mess up too right yes yes that is so true that is so true so um, you know i'm always ready for failures i think failures is something that you learn and you say okay i'm gonna learn from it and then go ahead you you don't get bogged down and say okay no more cooking show you know i i could have done and said whoops i made this proud of this had this goofy problem and ah what will people think and i'm not going to do my show that could have been one approach but i said ah, that's a problem but i'm fixing it yeah and let's I'm keep going go ahead <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. And then let's talk about after that decision. You said you've done the cooking show, you've 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 you know had some great momentum. What spurs yeah. your decision to say, "Hey, I want to I want to go back to school." What can you talk about that? Yes. So my cooking shows basically what happened is I reached a stage where it won every award. It went international to many countries. And then um, I could have gone into a different area like Food Network or PBS, but I realized that was not where I want to go. And uh, also another thing happened in my life at that time was my youngest went to college. So now I had this emptiness, lot of free time on my hand. And um, I said, okay, I need to do something different. 
And so that's when I decided, what is it that I really want to do with uh, my time now that I have free time? And um, decided to go back to my passion of um, studying and getting my master's, uh, which I had in the initial phase before my kids were into the picture. So decided to go back to school at that time. So talk us through that decision, right? I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, are chosen initial path, just like you chose accounting. And they said, hey, uh-huh. you know what? I may not like this as much as, uh, you know, something else uh-huh. that, I, that I'm interested in. Uh-huh. And, but a lot of people are too scared, like, hey, I'm already 20, 30 years into my career. Uh-huh. I have kids. I have a family. I don't know if this is the right decision for me. How did you overcome that? Well, um, I think I am blessed with a very supportive family. My husband and my children were very supportive. And uh, they said, you're never too old to set another goal or dream. And um, they sort of realized I was very nervous. And they said, what's the worst that's going to happen? What's the worst? Okay, you try and you fail. And my husband keeps saying that, you know, unless you try, you never know whether you'll pass or fail. And um, so I think that fear of failure, I sort of erased it from my memory. And I said, I'm going to give it a shot. Worst is, I'm going to fail. But the best thing that could happen is I can really enjoy this journey. So I took this class, this first class. Totally, totally nervous. It's like a kindergartner going to school. You know, I was so nervous going into that school because I had an accounting background and I I hadn't touched my sciences since high school. That's a gap of nearly 30 years. I hadn't touched sciences. So I go into this class and then uh, guess what? But since I didn't have that pressure, I absolutely enjoyed my class. And I was like, ah, this is how our body works. It, it was like a, 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 a amazing, amazing world opened up for me. I'm and like, what class was oh. that? That was intro to bio. Intro okay. to bio. Got it. And, and my professor was uh, very, very supportive. She was like, just go for it, Hema. You know, if you really want to do it, all the forces of the universe will help you. Just go for it. I think with uh, my family and that professor, I think I had the right push to go ahead. That's amazing. And then talk to us a little bit about, um, you, know, you, you got through your first class, Intro to Bio. What were the other classes like? What was studying like after going back to school after 30 years? Can you tell us about that? <laughs> So my professor had said that every hour that you learn in school, you have to spend about two hours um, at home. And um, I realized I don't need two hours. I need four hours <laughs> right? <laughs> because, because it was so interesting that I couldn't stop. And then I just wanted to have the whole picture. I didn't want to have just... In information just for that chapter or something. And I would spend hours, hours studying. And um, uh, I tell you, Samir, with the internet, with the things that are available right now, learning is such a pleasure. It's, it's, it's a joy. It's a joy to learn these days. You don't have to go to the library. You don't have to pick up 10 different yep. books and go through it. One click of a button and you can go through so many different resources. Right, um, right. It's, it's a joy. It's a joy to learn. 
So how long was the program for you? And, um, and did you say you, 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 um, decided to do your master's in nutritional science? Is that right? Uh, yes. So the prerequisites uh, to get into my master's program, I had to do all sciences like biology, chemistry, organic chemistry, um, uh, then um, anatomy, psychology. Oh, it, it was a statistics. That process took me about two and a half years. Okay. And that process could have been done within a year or a year and a half. But I just decided to take it at a very slow pace. So that took about two and a half years. Then um, I got into, I was uh, admitted to a master's program. And that started uh, exactly on my 50th birthday. So my 50th Great. birthday was my first day of master's <laughs> program. <laughs> and how was the master's program for you? Did you enjoy it as much as you enjoyed the introductory classes? Uh, the master's program was so intense. It was uh, <laughs> unbelievable because I had to keep up with all these young students who were so quick in learning. And again, I had to spend twice the amount of time than the regular students. But here's the thing. When you're an empty nester, you have all the time in the world. Right. And my social life uh, really... Uh, I had to really um, slow it down, but um, the learning curve was so much, and I would always go in depth into everything that was um, assigned to us, and uh, it it was it was challenging. I'm not going to kid and joke and say it was not uh, easy. It was very very difficult, but at the same time, it was very very interesting too. Awesome. Awesome. And tell us, how did you feel, Hima, when you got to the graduation of your, ma of your master's? That's got to be a huge accomplishment for you. Can you talk about how that felt? Oh, yes. Uh, so let me tell you, Samir, every semester that I enrolled in my master's program, I kept telling myself, I'm going to give it my best. And if I don't, I'm going to look at some other options. So every semester, at the end of every semester, I'm like, yay, I made it. <laughs> and then and there were a couple of classes which I thought, definitely I'm going to fail. And um, it, it's interesting, when I was uh, in my graduate program, my kids suddenly became my cheerleaders. Sure. And there were times when I would say, you know, I, I really needed, I should have gotten an A. The teacher was mean or something. And then my son would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blame the teacher now. You don't study and you blame the teacher. Right. And sometimes he would say, um, uh, my daughter would say, well, you've really studied hard. Even though it's a B, it's really an A grade, you know. Because it's almost like a role so reversal of course, yes. shorts, right? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my God, I'm hearing what I told them. I'm hearing it back again. It's an echo of all right. what I told them. <laughs> I love how things but, come full circle. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. Um, so let's – I want to switch gears to talking about, you know, your decision to go to nutrition, you know. A lot of people listening have um, mm -hmm. heard so many things about nutrition and, you know, their health and how that affects um, their lives. Now that you have a master's, what is something that you learned that you didn't know before about nutrition that you can share that not many people might not know? Mm -hmm. Is there something that so, comes to mind? 
Yes, yes. So basically, uh, nutrition is is a very, very important part of everybody's uh, life. Um, And then um, I think these days, there's a lot of these diets that are going around, you know, the keto diet and the cabbage diet and all these different diets. Right. And um, as a dietitian, um, I feel uh, everything in moderation is, is the key to good health. So um, you, the carbs, the protein, the fats, everything needs to be eaten in moderation. Of course, now I'm not going to uh, say that you should be moderate with junk food. But here's the thing. Occasional indulgence in junk food is okay. But if you can maintain a good nutrition majority of the time, that's that's a good, good, um, uh, you know, uh, philosophy to have you don't want to just eat junk food but occasionally uh, like you have certain occasion and you want to eat some junk food it's okay to eat but don't um, go on saying that I'm going to eat only healthy and deprive yourself eat everything in moderation and occasional indulgence is perfectly okay yeah, and I feel like a lot of people who have struggles with, uh, you know, their diet and nutrition go on these diets like keto or paleo or cabbage diet, and then, you know, they go f- great for a week, and then mm-hmm. they crash, right? It's very hard yes. to ma- maintain. Can you talk a little bit about someone who, you know, is interested in, in bettering their nutrition, interested in losing weight? What's the first piece of advice you would give them? So, um, this is my favorite topic, weight. People are uh, very, very interested in losing weight. But weight is such a multidimensional um, uh, process because it's not only influenced about what you eat, it's about how much stress you have, how much you sleep, how much you exercise, what medications you're on, um, your genetics. Um, So there are so many different um, uh, aspects to it. So nutrition is a very important part, but it's not the only thing that's going to make you lose weight. And sometimes it's the genetics that you're blessed with. Um, as I joke with many of my patients, it's like, you can't just have the beauty and the brains only of your of your parents. You're going to have beauty brains and their weight and beauty brains and their, um, you know, disease. So you, you get that whole package. And uh, that is something people need to be aware of. Um, you cannot expect to be a size zero and uh, say that, okay, that's where my goal is. You want to be in a state where you're happy, eating, exercising, sleeping well, controlling your stress. I think that's what good health is. Yeah, and a lot of people will will hear that and say, hey, genetics and is uh, something I can't control. You know, I'm born with the way I am with the parents and the grandparents I have. Is there something that, you know, someone who is just starting the journey who knows that that they they are already in a tough situation with their parents and you know is there there's is there one first step that you recommend to your patients to say start this first try this for a day or a week and then come back to me what is that thing you recommend yes um that is mindful eating it's it's listening to your body cues many people uh, don't listen to Um, There are signals. Uh, So your brain has this unique way of telling you to stop eating. 
And um, that is something we all need to pay attention to. But what we've been trained to do is clean the plate. There are so many people who are dying out there in Africa and you cannot waste food. So let's just come finish off this bowl which is in front but what's uh, what happens is we land up overeating yep. and uh, that's something that I keep telling all my patients listen to your body when you feel full just put your spoon down and just get move out of that area because if you're sitting just staring at the food you're going to start nibbling on it again and um, that is the most important thing that people can do, um, listen to your body cues. Sometimes you do feel hungry. Sometimes you don't feel hungry. And if that's the case, try and uh, not force yourself to eat because I have to finish this plate or whatever. So it's just, uh, mindful eating is, is a very key component of good health. I love that mindful eating because I know mm -hmm. even for me, sometimes I find myself eating when I'm you know, stuck in front of the TV or, or I'm bored uh -huh. and I just grab what's in front of me. And yes. before I know it, it's like the, the whole pack of Oreos is done or, or exactly. know, the, the whole bag of chips. And then you're like, where did it go? And I feel like if you're distracted, if you're not focused on your body, it can go like this. And then you've, you've eaten like a thousand calories. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. um, talk to us a little about, Hema, about, you know, a lot of people have mentioned like, Hey, different types of food are, are, are better for me versus this. And then uh, some people are in the camp like, hey, it doesn't matter what foods you eat. It's more calories in, calories out. Can you talk a little bit about that distinction and what your viewpoint is on that? Yes. Uh, so calories in, calories out is, is important. Uh, but then you also have to realize the portion uh, control. So um, even though you may think of a food being very healthy, but if you eat gigantic portions of it, that's going to add calories. For example, I'm just going to give you an example. Eat sweet potato. Is it healthy food? Okay. But if you eat sweet potatoes, uh, if you eat like maybe three sweet potato, mashed sweet potato or something, that is extra calories. So moderation, moderation means translates into portion control. So portion control is, is the key factor um, of getting the food which you need. And um, there are many different places on the net where you can find a little bit of guidance about portion control, um, which tells you, which gives you an idea of what a portion um, of meat should be, what a portion of vegetables and of, uh, grains and fat. So there are many different resources for that if you want to look into it. Can you share some of those resources or what are the go-to places that you recommend people go visit if they want to find out more information that is just you know, a legitimate source of information? Because I know online there's just a ton of stuff out there and people yes. are kind of overwhelmed. Yes. So there's Harvard Healthy Plate. Uh, it's uh, by the Harvard uh, University, and uh, that's a good one. Um, and then there is uh, American and Nutrition and Dietetics Association, A&D. Um, so that's um, uh, an organization, um, association of uh, dietitians. So those are two which I really always go around because they're keeping up to date with the new research because um, new 
nutritional science is like any science. It's, it's very dynamic. It's constantly uh, changing because there's new research going on. And uh, so this is um, uh, these two um, websites are, are really up to date with the new uh, research that's going on. Awesome. Okay, we'll we'll definitely link those in the show notes so people can check out. Um, I want to talk about what you mentioned about research, right? Nutritional is science is something that has changed so much mm-hmm. over the last fifty to hundred years. You know, people said, "Hey, you know, limit fat. Wait, no, limit carbs. Wait, eat in moderation." You know, it, I feel like every five or six years, the 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 mentality changes, at least in the American mindset. What is the could you say, Hema, is the, the, the newest research that you've seen that m- people may not know about that you've read and, and you've uh, really adopted? Um, well, there's, I think, one thing, a Howard Healthy Plate. That's a new concept which has come up where it tells you in your plate, um, in your regular um, you know, dining, you should have a little bit of healthy fat. Previously, there was no place for fat in your diet. Mm -hmm. It was just grains and vegetables and protein. But now there is an inclusion of healthy fat. What I mean by healthy fat is um, nuts, uh, avocados, um, and fatty fish. So those are the healthy fat, which um, everybody should have um, along with their meal. Um, And the reason for that is that brings in satiety, you feel full, and Mm -hmm. automatically you eat less of the other. Whereas if you're not full, you're going to keep on eating. And uh, if you eat, as I said, more of uh, even the good carbs, if you eat more of it, it's going to be calories, which are more excess than what you need. Yep, yep. No, that's great. And the other question I have is, dishes right and you you are mm-hmm. a, you know a chef and a cook and you've been cooking mm-hmm. for so long has this knowledge your nutritional science and, and 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 you know food has that changed your cooking at all um i think my cooking has become more um healthier no doubt like i'm always exploring different grains besides rice and wheat there's nothing right wrong with rice and wheat but I feel there are so many, so many grains in this uh, world. And I always am exploring different grains. Um, like uh, there is um, uh, quinoa that many people know about, which is very popular. Right. Then there's barley. Then there's uh, amara- amar- amaranth. <laughs> Sorry if I mispronounce it. Um, so that's an, another grain. Then there's teff flour, and then in South India, there's a um, uh, you know grain called as uh, ragi. It's a millet, um, and that's an amazing grain which these days I'm enjoying. So there's so many things which I keep experimenting more so because I'm like, okay, let's see. Uh, so I always have this mind that if I have a diabetic patient and if they have been told to control on um, certain carbs, what should I tell them? So before I tell them, what do I do? I experiment on <laughs> myself. I'm like, okay, how does this grain taste? How does yeah. this grain, what, what does it do? How does it cook? So I, I try to um, try out all those dishes and recommendations on myself before I recommend so I know exactly uh, what I'm talking to the patients. Got it. 
Got it. And talk to us about like some recipes, like uh, uh, to all the South Asian listeners who are listening, they've probably had a v- wide variety of, of, you know, Indian or Pakistani dishes before. Is there a few dishes that you can recommend that hits all your or checks all your boxes for things that this is a good meal, hits all the things that you need, um, and, you know, will be able to able for you to eat in moderation? Is there any dishes that come to mind? So um, basically, uh, I'm going to talk about this one ingredient, uh, steel-cut oats. Okay? okay, Steel-cut oats, people typically have it for breakfast, right? So what I did with that, steel-cut oats, after cooking, it still has the little bite to it. It doesn't become like a mush. So I cook the steel-cut oats with a lot of the um, dals, the beans or lentils, and uh, it, it's, it's a great substitute to rice. And uh, it is very easy to make because you can cook the steel cut oats and then add the cooked dal to it. And it's very satisfying. That's the kitchen I make with the moong dal and, um, you know, the steel cut oats, the comfort food of majority of South Asians. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, I made it with steel cut oats. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it has a slightly different taste. But it's still good. It's still good. So um, adding variety to food is what I think everybody should strive for because there are nutrients in so many different foods. And just sticking to only one type of grain, one type of vegetable, you're restricting yourself um, uh, with the nutrient intake then. That's wonderful. And you've, you've talked a lot about grains and your exploration with grains. Can you talk a little bit about vegetables? You know, a lot of people who are listening, you know, are very familiar with, you know, spinach and, and, and kale and things like they've seen a lot in their salads, lettuce. But are there vegetables that you recommend that people may not know about that are very tasty and good for that variety that you mentioned? Well, the one vegetable which I I keep discover, trying to try different ones, Brussels sprouts are, are like these mini cabbages. Um, you know, you roast them in the oven with a little olive oil and then uh, eat it with uh, um, cranberries, dried cranberries and feta cheese. It's a wonderful salad that um, anybody can make at home. Um, so Brussels sprouts is something which is good. You can have stuffed uh, like just a recipe which is stuffed uh, cabbage, uh, what is it, stuffed eggplant. Instead of stuffed eggplant, you can try stuffed um, Brussels sprouts. So um, there are different things you can do with um, certain vegetables. Um, you don't only have to make it stir fry or salad. Try and do it your South Asian style with uh, Brussels sprouts and then uh, even kale. I, I'm sure many of uh, you know kale is, is a great uh, green, leafy green vegetable. Just cook it, make it just like methi um, mutter paneer or something, you know. <laughs> so so you can serve the methi, put kale in it. And um, those are simple ways that you can uh, try different vegetables. Um, the sky's the limit, Samir. I'm, I'm like, I like vegetables it. should I tell you right. about? <laughs> I know. I love the creativity. That is so cool that you experiment and try different things out that take a traditional dish put your spin on it and you know it can turn out different but even better Um, I want to also talk about when people go out to eat right sometimes Mm -hmm. people struggle with going to restaurants and they just can't find a good option that um, you know tastes good but also 
you know, is in line with what they want to eat for their nutrition or, or diet. What recommendations, Hema, do you have for people when they go out to eat or go out of the house? How do they, how do you recommend they find a dish that works for them? So basically, uh, it depends on their preferences, of course. So if a person is not much into salads, I'm not going to tell them, okay, you better eat your salad first. <laughs> but, but here's something which I tell, okay? If you really want to eat in the restaurant, go ahead, enjoy. But the portion is, is what's important. Right. Okay. So Mindful um, eating again, right? Yes, yes. So maybe you can say, even before that dish comes to your table, tell uh, your server, can you just pack up half and keep it aside and just so half here? So what that happens is you're eating the proportion which you think is is good for you whereas uh, if you just have this big mound of plate and you start eating and you you're sort of full and but you still eat because it's there in front so if you have that uh, bagged or uh, uh, put in a box aside before you even start eating so that portion control comes to the picture Right. And then uh, many times uh, if you have some sauces or something uh, which you think are very rich and creamy, um, instead of having them uh, put all the sauce, you can say, can you put that sauce at the side? Yep. So you can just add as much as you want so that you're not depriving yourself. But at the same time, um, you know, it's just like you're not overindulging. So uh, you're finding a little happy medium with portion control and just trying to taste, enjoy, and be happy. That's that's what I would say. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love the idea of packing up half and then you know taking the rest home. That's just a simple, simple tactic that you can use to get the right portion without you know and 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 giving that onus to the um, the waiter for you to do. You don't have to be the one that oh I have it in my plate. I should finish it. You the decision is completely out of your hands, which I love, and exactly. I love the idea of uh, uh, sauce on the side or dressing on the side. That's genius. Um, the other thing I want to talk about before we go into our rapid fire questions is cooking. Right, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially people who are uh, who have not grown up with the skills of their parents, are a little bit nervous in the kitchen. Right, they are uncomfortable. They, that's why you see so many people use takeout or Uber Eats mm-hmm. or, you know, going out to eat. Are there any recommendations, Hema, you have for people who want to get started in the kitchen, maybe with South Asian dishes, but they don't know what, you know, should I buy pots? Should I buy a slow cooker? Should I buy, you know, uh, a rice cooker? They're just confused on where to start. Are there simple suggestions you have for people who want to learn how to get better at South Asian cooking, but they just don't know how? Yeah, one suggestion was uh, is uh, to start off with very simple recipes with very few ingredients. So basically, I think cooking is like an art. Um, in the initial period, you will just um, you know experiment with just a couple of different ingredients. But once you get the hang of how the recipe works, you will get adventurous. So don't attempt a, a very complicated recipe for the first time. For the first time, try out very simple recipes. And uh, the thing with spices is um, the more you cook with it, the more you're going to understand. And uh, again, you're going to have, I'm not going to show, you're going to have some failures when you're <laughs> cooking, okay? Expect that. 
and um, just understand what went wrong and uh, change it the next time. And I can't tell you how many times I had cooked and it tasted so bad. I had really put it down the drain because it was so bad. <laughs> and that happens to every cook is they don't show it or don't tell it to you. But that is a natural process of cooking. You learn from your mistake. You will learn from your mistake. So be adventurous. Try uh, uh, with a very couple of ingredients, then go improve, go ahead and improve um, uh, your cooking uh, techniques by practice. And that's the only way that you're going to get uh, better at it. I love it. And, and to add to that, are there any uh, tools do you keep on going back towards in terms of the kitchen, in terms of like um, a chef knife or like, is there um, like technology or tools that you have that you, you would recommend people get just to have a basic arsenal of, of things to use to make all these recipes? Um, yes. Um, I, since I love cooking so much, I have every gadget imaginable, every tool that you can think it's in my kitchen. Sure. But there are a couple of things which I use um, in my very uh, regularly. Uh, one is a, a cast iron um, skillet. Yep. Uh, it is a heavy-duty cast iron skillet. Um, then there is uh, another one, uh, which is a, a heavy-duty steel pot where you can cook. And then the third one, which is my favorite, is a huge um, iron wok, a very thin iron wok. So you can do your own quick stir-fry vegetables um, and you can add some uh, South Asian spices or you can add whichever spices. But um, these three tools, these three pans is something which I really, really use frequently. And of course, the blender and the knife. And I'm all set. These, I think, five or six things, which I keep yep. using all the time. The rest all is, is just, I think, a little bit of decoration for sure. my kitchen. <laughs> it's for the advanced chefs, right? But these yeah. uh, these fab five uh, items will get you through 75% of the cooking needs, sounds like it, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Got That's it. True. I love it. I love it. Okay, awesome. Well, that is uh, an, um, some amazing recommendations. Thank you so much for for um, for talking through that. We're going to have all these things in the show notes, so everyone who's listening can check these out and and um, you know get recommendations, to links to all these things. But um, I'd love to move now quickly to our rapid fire questions, um, okay. and these are again questions that are that we ask every one of our guests that we've gotten some mm-hmm. amazing answers to. So the first question I have for you, Hema, is: Is there a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has most improved your life? in the last six months? <laughs> yes, it's my cast iron skillet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I recently discovered it. I don't know for what reason I never got it, but now that it's there, it is like my best friend in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> is there a certain brand or a specific one that you recommend that we can link to? Yes, it's a large iron skillet made in USA. Large iron skillet. Got it. And how did you discover it? It sounds like you discovered it a little bit late in the game. Is there a story behind that? Uh, yes. Um, I saw a movie. And in that movie, it was Julie and Julia, that movie. And in that, they have this cook make this grilled cheese sandwich on the iron skillet. And um, I think what really got me into buying that, because I had nonstick pans for the longest time, but uh, what happens is non, um, what is it, nonstick 
pans is uh, you can't increase the heat very high. But with iron skillet, you can really crack it up. And the grilled since cheese sandwich, when you cook it on the iron skillet, it has this crunchy, crunchy taste. And in that movie, that heroine... inspired. <laughs> yeah, and she crunched. I'm like, oh, my sandwich has never crunched that way. <laughs> so I think on the way back from that movie theater, I'm like, I have to get that large iron theater, um, um, skillet. And uh, this is very recently that I saw that movie. It's an old movie, but I recently saw it, and that's how I got into it. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so funny that that that, um, that the movie inspired your your latest yes. uh, latest thing yes. in the kitchen. Cool. Um, second question for you is, is there a South Asian person you look, look up to, whether in cooking and in, in, in diet and nutrition or whatever, that you, when you think of the word success, what comes to mind and why? Um, honestly, Samir, I have so many, so many people who've inspired me and um, they are basically my friends and family and neighbors. And if I mention only one and not mention the other, I think I'll do injustice. Sure. So I'll say there are many who inspired and uh, they're not the people who have PhDs or have this big business, but their attitude to life is what I think um, really inspired me. It's the attitude of always learning, always adapting, and that is the one um, value that I really admire in um, every person that I uh, look up to. I love it. And I think that's a mentality that you've applied to your life too, right? Yes. How do yes. I keep adapting even when it doesn't seem like the right path? Just keep going. And and I think that's something that you have that's very inspiring as well. Yes, yes. Um, wonderful. Okay, next question I have is, is there a movie or a book that has the most impact on you? Yes, uh, just about a couple of days ago, I saw this movie, Razi, by Alia Bhatt. It's about um, India-Pakistan uh, you know, war in 1971. It's an amazing woman. Uh, it's an amazing movie about this uh, woman who was a spy for India in Pakistan. And I thought that's one of the best movies I've seen. It's it's um, very inspirational. It it's, makes you very humble how people have fought for uh, the country and how much uh, there's so many unsung heroes like um, that uh, that book. That movie is based on a real life story, by the way. Awesome. Uh, I loved it. Razi. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll definitely Razi. link to that as well. Um, wonderful. So the the last question I have um, is about someone who is interested in going back to school or interested mm -hmm. in uh, nutrition and you know getting into that field. What advice would you give them, and why? Is there anything that comes to mind? I'll just say, just do it. <laughs> just just do it. <laughs> because um, you will, if you are planning to, if you're just thinking about it. Here's my advice. Just go in. You can sit. My philosophy is this. You can sit at the edge of the swimming pool and say, is the water deep? Can I swim? Can I float? What will happen? Will I drown? And that thought will keep on nagging you. But you have to go into plunge into that water 
and you will sometimes drink a little water you may start drowning but believe it or not somebody is going to help you there is so much uh, i think um, support in this system here that they're always out there to encourage you to succeed and that's the beauty of going back to school later on you have tremendous support um be it with friends or uh, you know the professors it's is amazing so those who are hesitating to go back to school just try try with one small course try with one small class yep and you'll be amazed with the joy you'll get yeah i, I love that it's just the 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 ability just to take the first step right people are so yes. nervous what that's going to be like but taking the first step is you know the start to a long journey, and, and I, I, I absolutely love that advice. Yeah. Um, w- wonderful. So um, where can people find you, Hema, if people are interested in learning more about you and interested to learn more about um, your journey and, and your, uh, you know, your, your cooking and, and, and if they're interested in, in nutritional help, where can people get in touch? Yes. So I do have a website um, which has many of uh, the recipes from my cooking show. And um, um, all my videos uh, are now on YouTube. So if you can just put in Hema Kundargi, you'll get all the YouTube videos from there. And um, if you can send the message through, um, you know, my website, uh, it's www.masala.com. It is uh, two S's, M-A-S-S-A-R-O-A. Dot com, uh, you'll be able to uh, get in touch with me. Awesome. And again, we'll put these all in the notes so people can uh, check it out and, and, and get in touch. Um, but Hema, thank you so, so much for an amazing interview. This is chock full of great advice on, on a variety of topics. And I think just your story is so inspiring to people. So um, thank you again for being on the show. It's my pleasure. And I just want to end with, you're never too old to set another goal or a dream. Always, always have a goal or a dream in your life. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Hima. Thank you. Hey, guys, it's Samir again. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories on South Asians around the world, please check out SouthAsianStoriesPodcast.com and subscribe to our email list. That's SouthAsianStoriesPodcast.com. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.